a clip of me at that show went viral with a disabled comedian who asked me what my favourite disability was. So naturally I hold up my cane and everyone loves that and someone obviously clipped that and it went viral. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled and why they're proud to be themselves. So, Toby, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. I'm really looking forward to this chat because, and I say this every week, I feel like I learn so much when I have these conversations and I'm really looking forward to talking to you about your disability and and life because I think this will be just a really good chat and I've watched your videos and they're really funny. So hopefully that translates. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) So the first question that I like to ask every single guest is, how do you refer to your disability? Um, I guess, well, the condition that I have is retinitis pigmentosa, but I just like to call myself a blind man. Um, I think a lot of people like to tread on eggshells around disability, but for me, just straight shoot it. Um, I'm just blind. Yeah. And is that something that you were, were you born blind or is it like, is it degenerative where your eyesight gets worse? Yeah, it's degenerative. So RP is a genetic condition. I've always been visually impaired. Um, so I was diagnosed as registered blind at the age of two, but I still had like enough vision to do things like read and uh-huh. play football with my mates. Um, but then into my teen years, it uh, sort of deteriorated a lot quicker. Um, yeah. And then at the age of 16, that's when I sort of started referring to myself as sort of blind, blind. Okay. And so, so for you, so when, when you say like, you know, because I know that being legally registered blind doesn't always mean that you can't see anything. You can see light is mm. like, or like, I know it's completely dependent upon the person, but what's it like for you? Can you see light or can you, is it nothing for you? Yeah. So it's not just nothing or black. It is, mm. yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's very difficult to explain what you see. Like if I asked you yeah. to explain what you see, it's really hard to like articulate that in something that's mm. actually coherent. Um, yeah. So I get, input of light i can tell when the light changes if i were to Uh flick a light switch on when the room was dark and obviously then went bright i'd know that a light had come on yeah um i can kind of see shapes if the contrast is right so i always say actually this is really good i've got a dark jumper on today i've got my hands (laughs) very pale at the minute if uh if i was looking directly at my jumper i could tell that there was something on my jumper Uh if i was to put my hand in front of my hand i wouldn't know that there's a difference because there's no contrast wow I love this. I'm, no, I'm learning so much because I have like no exposure to visual impairment whatsoever. It's, it's so far away from my own disability. And I, that's why I always find having these conversations with people who, whose disabilities are totally different from mine. So interesting because disability is such an umbrella term that actually it doesn't represent the masses correctly. But that's... 100%. Do you know, it's actually, it weirds me out how little experience people have with people with disabilities. Whenever I'm talking to someone and I'm like, oh, have you ever met a blind person before? And they're like, no, I've, I've seen someone walking with a cane or a guide dog before, but never actually spoken or interacted to a, a blind person. And that kind yeah. of weirds me out a bit because we're not like a rare species, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It is. And also, I think what's even funnier is when you talk to someone else with a disability, there are so many things that you can, you will have so many common and shared experiences Mm. that nobody else will ever understand as to why it's funny or amusing 
or obviously like, that's what it. i get with some of my videos is i'll post a video that's really specific to people with disabilities and a lot of people who have never experienced a disability or interacted with someone with a disability like, i don't get it and then <laughs> i'll have the whole disabled community just laughing their asses off yeah it's it's so so true and what was it like for you growing up with a disability because i think being a disabled child and having that translate into adulthood is very different from when you acquire a disability so i was wondering what was it like for you Oh, I'd love to go back to being five again. Um, yeah, I mean, my parents did a really good job at like, making me feel like I was just a normal kid. Um, they always threw me in at the deep end. If I was ever nervous about doing something, like, just give it a go. Just give it a go. Don't, don't yeah. let your visual impairment stop. You know, I think that's the, the best way to do it because that's translated to me being quite confident now in my older years. Um, I knew that I was like visually impaired growing up, but like, I don't know, my peers treated me the same. I was able to do 95% of the things that they did. Yeah. Um, so my experience as a kid wasn't too different, but then my experience as like an adolescent was very different. Yeah. Are you able to, to like delve into that? Because I'm quite intrigued because as, as you say, it's degenerative. So when you start to like have less sight as such, how does that, especially as a teen, because obviously that's like exa- around exam time, like studying time, like how does that all work? Yeah, so I think the main difference was when I was in in primary school, one, my vision was like better. Yeah. But two, the kids there knew no different. Like from reception, they knew me as Toby has a visual impairment. His eyes aren't as good as ours. Mm. Okay, cool. And that was the same all the way up to like year six until you go into secondary school. Yeah. Then I go into secondary school, my eyesight is a lot less stable. Um, I started off still being a pretty normal kid. I mean, I had a laptop in class and... That was about it, really. Um, And I was playing football with all my friends and doing things. But then it got to the stage where it started to deteriorate a lot quicker. And I had to stop doing things like that. And actually, a lot of like my friends didn't know how to react to that. And fair enough, do you know what I mean? They're young. But it meant that I got quite isolated, um, you know, in, in quite a difficult time. So, yeah, my secondary school experience wasn't great just because kids will be kids, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Is that sometimes that people people are ignorant not for the sake of being ignorant, they just don't know. And it's yeah, not still there. You don't get taught, do you? Like yeah. in primary school. I don't maybe you do now. I don't know. Everything's a lot more inclusive now. But you know, I'd learn about science experiments in primary school, not how does someone lose their vision and how does that feel? Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. I mean, I don't blame any of them. I'm I'm not resentful to the kids. It's just just one of those things where I did get isolated. Yeah. And, and around studying time and around being like a teenager, that must have been really interesting for you because obviously like being a teenager in itself is horrendous. Like I wouldn't go back there for anyone. Like you could not pay me enough money to go back. Like no, like nobody wants to relive it, but I wonder what it was like for you specifically. And I, I don't know why, but my brain is like, ask about exams because how, how does that work for you? Cause obviously you won't be able to read an exam paper. So I take it you would have everything in Braille. Um, do you know what? I'm actually a bit of a moron and I don't read Braille. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely illiterate, can't read. Um, it, it's a weird one. So uh-huh. my exams were double time. So 100% extra time, which meant a two and a half English exam would turn into a five hour English exam. Oh, that sounds so painful. Oh, that was honestly rough. Um <laughs> So I'd have my laptop and the paper would be like translated into a computer version for me. Um, 
which then I'd actually have a member of staff read to me and then I'd type my answer out um, because I hadn't learned how to use a, a screen reader at that point. So uh-huh. the software that, like reads out things on your screen for you for blind people. I hadn't learned that because I was yeah. such a stubborn kid. I was like, I don't want to learn that, um, <laughs> which I really should have. So yeah, exams were were difficult in that sense, but I got through them. I did, I did well in my GCSEs and A-levels yeah. and stuff, but it would have been a much smoother process if I hadn't have been so stubborn. <laughs> But I love that that's an admission that you're willing to make. Is that like, yeah, I, I was just too stubborn. Like, it's oh, 100%. Honestly, if I could give advice to any young person, it's just make sure you're prepared for, for things like that. If you know it, the thing is, I had no excuse. Like, I knew I was losing my vision. I should have been preparing, but no, I was, I was <laughs> such, a, such a pain to my teachers and parents as a, as a younger kid. But actually, it's good that you can look back now and be like, actually, yeah, I was, I was a bit of a pain. But like, you know, we all learn, we all grow. A <laughs> hundred. Well, I wouldn't be like where I am now and be able to sort of, I don't know. It's given me that mindset now of do everything you can to prepare yourself for situations, which is more important as an adult. I feel than it is as a kid. You know, yeah, kids are far sure. more adaptable and resilient than we are. So for I think sure. it might be a good thing in the long run. And, and with that, how has this all translated to your career and what career path you've chosen to go down? Because I always find talking to people with disabilities, we do have very like we have a natural set of skills that a lot of other people don't have. Like we're brilliant problem solvers. We always think outside the box. Nothing is ever really too much of a hassle because we've probably dealt with something worse. So for you, how did that translate for what choices you made in your career path? That's a really good question, actually, because... I'll go back to the, the stubborn point. I was yeah. obsessed with sport uh-huh. um, and I wanted to be like a personal trainer or I used to be um, a sprinter. So I wanted to be an yeah. athletics coach. And actually they're not, I mean, it can be done as a blind person, but it's not the most accessible career path to go down. Um, uh-huh. And it took me a long time to realize that actually. So then obviously you've got to think, okay, what, what can I do? What am I one interested in and passionate about? And two, mm-hmm. what do my, my skill set help me with so I decided to go down the psychology route and looked at psychology and counseling degrees um Uh and yeah I figured out I'm naturally quite like an empathetic person um and good under pressure those kind of things so yeah I I looked down that and that's eventually the the degree that I went down Uh and I I love that I think you're right I think you know having a natural skill set I think empathy is something that disabled people are like it's naturally instilled in them because there have been so many times that you've been like left on the side and you're like just want to play and then you're like no like I'm going to help someone else out and I think that's a really beautiful way of using a natural skill set I think being disabled like you've experienced every emotion like it's such a roller coaster one day you can do something that you never thought you'd be able to do and you'll be like euphoric and so proud of yourself and then other days you'll be the lowest of lows and be hating life and frustrated with everything. So it's such a roller coaster, which means that you get such an emotional maturity, I feel. And you mature a lot quicker, I find. That's a, a trend that I find in disabled people is they they've had so much life experience that they do mature quicker. So yeah, I think that that route that I found naturally fitted me really well. Yeah. And how did you start posting? Like what made you start posting on TikTok? Because I love it. I think it's I think TikTok has just exploded and I think what the platform can do is incredible but I'm always intrigued to know how people like first think about when they're first going to post and how it exploded and how it worked for them. It was <laughs> it was um such a spontaneous thing. Like mm. I was still looking for 
like jobs in the NHS at the time. I was never thinking that I'd be able to like do content creation full time or yeah. work in social media. But I'd I'd been to um, the Russell Howard show um, in September and. Yeah. A clip of me at that show went viral with a disabled comedian who asked me what my favorite disability was so <laughs> naturally i hold up my cane uh-huh. um and everyone loves that and someone obviously clipped that and it went viral and naturally there were lots of questions in that comment section asking yeah. like why is the blind guy wearing sunglasses why is he in the front row all these kind of things do you know what i mean yeah. i was like oh, okay let's let's answer some of these in a video and you know, the first, the first, <laughs> I had a few takes of this video that I was trying to make. And the first one was really gun ho and calling everyone idiots, like, what a stupid question. <laughs> and um, my girlfriend had to be like, I reckon you should maybe like tone it down a little bit. Which <laughs> was a really good decision. <laughs> um, and that video ended up getting loads of traction, doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought, okay, let's see where it goes. And for some reason, it got, got traction, my page. And we're here six months, five months down the line. And you know sitting pretty yeah that's and I think it's amazing isn't it because I remember doing a video not like dissimilar to that where I was I was actually calling out the government and actually like it was it was quite strong and then afterwards yeah. I was like oh like that was a really angry disabled post like <laughs> and it's because I think you're yeah. so like in your mind and like in your mind in my mind like when you say something about disability it's so obvious because it's our lived experience and it might not be obvious to like your average show blogs because they it's not something they think about and it's not their like reality. And so when I think about these things, I'm like, oh, like maybe, maybe I do need to tone it down. Maybe I do need to take a step back. <laughs> so it's really hard though, because like obviously our day-to-day experience, I feel like a lot of people say like, oh, you're such an inspiration for sharing your story. And for me, it's just like, well, I'm just just giving out information. It's not, it doesn't take me much effort to do. I don't find myself particularly inspirational. But I think the reason why people like my content is because for the longest time I was really polite and I was yeah. answering questions as if, you know, the person had never, as if they were an alien and didn't know what a blind yeah. person was. And I've only had a couple of videos where I have been a bit snappy or a bit forceful. And actually, I slightly regret them now because of the uh-huh. point you just said that, you know, people just don't know they're asking questions most of the time because they just want to find out and not because they're, you know, trying to take the mic. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's like a really solid point, isn't it? Is that people are naturally curious and it's actually how the questions ask, not necessarily what the question is. Because I think, you know, it's different in person, but online, I think people are just generally inquisitive and you can kind of tell when someone's trying to be a bit rude or a bit like sarky and you just don't, you just don't respond to that because it's unnecessary. (laughs) I feel like I really want to sometimes, but actually someone made... Uh, on one of the videos where I did snap back, it was about how do I read the comments? Like, if I'm blind, how do you read comments? And for me, that's so obvious. Like, we've had screen reading technology for decades now. Yeah. And I just got a bit annoyed because I had about eight or nine comments in a row on the same video being like, how are you reading comments? How are you reading? And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I did make a bit of a, like, lashy out video. But someone commented on that video saying, you've worked so hard to create, like, this space and community where people feel like empowered or comfortable asking questions but maybe they're not comfortable to ask maybe in real life or to other creators so maybe next time think about the way you deliver a video and normally i'd read that and be like okay (laughs) that actually really resonated with me i was like actually maybe i should tone it down and you know treat people you know as just curious people rather than people who take the mic yeah for sure and I like that that someone wrote that and like it's that's actually quite like a well thought out answer. Like 
just yeah, FYI, yeah. like you've created a really beautiful space Literally. and this is not really like you, but like have a cup of tea and like you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it did, it hit me. I got a bit like, not emotional at it, but I was, that's what made me regret it. Cause I was like, that poor person, cause obviously naturally when you've got a following, you've got very loyal followers. And if you make a, a stern point at someone, they will then get ridiculed in that comment section by the followers. Mm. I felt really bad. I was like, I've just caused that problem maybe that person some kind of distress from this when actually they may have just been curious so that's a rookie mistake for me obviously i haven't been doing the media stuff very long but for sure in the future i will make sure to just answer as politely as possible (laughs) so it's you've already brought this up and it's a question that i like to ask anyway and generally people answer both sides of this question and it's do you have a piece of advice for either a younger version of yourself or a younger person with the same disability as you? Yeah, so I t- touched on earlier, obviously, about the making sure you're prepared. That for me is always, always number one, um, because you avoid so much hassle when eventually, especially in my case, where, I, as I said, I knew it was coming. I knew that I'd lose my vision. I knew that I'd have to adapt one day um, yeah. if I'd learned how to use technology or maybe learn Braille or whatever the whole pro you learn how to use a cane you know the process would have become far more easier but the other bit of advice that I'd give myself it's quite bespoke to me to be fair but I know that there are a lot of people like me who are stubborn and want have one singular goal in life yeah plan a is like amazing and you should put lots of effort into plan a and like really aspire for plan a to come true but make sure that plan b is bulletproof because quite often plan a can just crumble right in front of you and if you don't have a plan B, you're going to be really, really lost. I love, I think I might take that into my own life. <laughs> <laughs> that is, advice. I've got it for you. There you go. <laughs> that is so good. I love that. I actually, I love that, that like strive for plan A, but make sure that your plan B will also like work out too. I, oh my God, I love I'm that. Listening. I think that's a really good piece of advice. And this is... I've only really learned it recently though, because... Obviously, going into content creation, like taking that full time is a big step for me yeah. personally. Um, like it's a bit of a risk, you know what I mean? Being self-employed, uh-huh. income fluctuates month to month. Um, but I guess for plan B, and this is where plan B is bulletproof, is I've got a degree in counselling psychology and I can just go back to the original plan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's only it's something I've realised recently, but I, it's something I'll always keep with me now, I think. Yeah, I th- I just, I love that so much. And And actually, you were talking about assistive technology, and I was wondering if you could explain to me a bit about it, because obviously I know absolutely nothing. So so what is assistive technology and and like where do you use it around the house or in in life? And and how do you learn to use it? Because obviously it's a it's a learning process as well. Like, do you do you go to the NHS? Like like where do you go to for all of these these like pieces of equipment that will help? Yes. Um it's really, really tough to, to learn all of these things. And mm-hmm. as you just pointed out, there are lots of different types of technology that can help. Yeah. So it can get very confusing and a bit like a spider's web where things cross over and overlap, but they're also a different part of the web. So yeah. I guess the, the main two bits of assistive technology I use are on my phone and iPad, um, which is called VoiceOver. Mm-hmm. Um, and that basically reads out everything that my finger touches um so i can use my phone by myself so it'll read out my texts my emails uh, any links that are on the page you know yeah. anything like that and there's lots of different like 
tips and tricks you can do with that to make it more efficient and and whatnot. And then there is my laptop, which I use software called JAWS, which is the most complicated thing in the world. <laughs> like it literally drove me crazy trying to use it. I've been using it now for five, four years. Uh-huh. And I used it all the way through uni and I can literally just about type out a document and send an email. <laughs> Do you know oh what I mean? Gosh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not the, the best learner of those things in, uh-huh. in fairness, but yeah, it's very complicated. Um, but yeah, to, I was very lucky um, that the disability student, DSA? It's yeah, DSA. DSA. Um, but they funded all of the learning for me for that uh-huh. at uni. Um, if I wasn't at uni, I probably would have had to pay for that myself because there's companies yeah. out there who do teach you how to use these kind of assistive technologies um but it was a very very long process and as i've probably you know just made very clear i'm <laughs> not very good at using them still after all this time yeah and when it comes to walking with the cane and um, how did you learn to use that i mean i pres- like obviously i'm being i'm absolutely assuming everything here but did you learn to use that at a younger age or was that something that came on when your like eyesight started to degenerate when you were a teen? So your local council um, yeah. has like obviously the disability department yeah, um, and they'll send out someone called a mobility officer who helps you learn how to navigate with yeah. whether it's a cane or even without your cane if you've still got a fair bit of vision to like mm. common routes that you do so it could be from your home to the local shop could be around yeah. the town or the center those kind of things um and i actually had my mobility officer when i was sort of 10 11 yeah and she tried to get me to start learning how to use a cane and i was so embarrassed like uh, i thought everyone was watching me everyone was judging me uh, yeah. i couldn't do it so i stopped for a good few years I mean, it was only when I started to lose my vision very, very quickly and it got very severe, but I thought, I'm tired of walking into lampposts and bumping into people and getting shouted at, saying, be careful, watch where you're going type thing. So then I took the plunge when I was 16, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they they taught me how to use my cane. And that's a very long process as well, because it takes a lot of confidence and concentration to use it well. Um, but again, you know, I le- I learned how to use that way too late. <laughs> I love how you're like you're fully admitting to yourself. You're like, yeah, I I should have done it sooner, but actually I didn't. And like, it is what it is. But like, here we are. This is how it works. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm an absolute idiot. Like, I will throw my hands up and say straight down the camera, like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm here now. I'm still alive. No one got hurt in the process. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is the benefit, right? Like you're still here, so it's it's all it's all good. <laughs> it's really embarrassing (laughs) but i do think i've had this conversation with um blaine harrison who is a member of the mystery jets the band and what he said is is so right he says you know sometimes as disabled people we try to keep up with the norm but we try to push our bodies to keep up with the norm and actually our bodies aren't made that way so therefore you know we we shouldn't try because it's it's never going to work out the same way and it wasn't really until he said that that actually it kind of clicked for me that, you know, I'm very heavily into CrossFit. A lot of my life revolves around fitness and, and as does yours. But actually, I get tired more. T- I get 30% more tired because of my limb difference. And that's like a stat that I didn't know until quite mm. recently. And I was like, oh my God, it makes so much sense. So actually, it's no surprise yeah. that you didn't, you know, use your assistive technology. You didn't want to use your stick until, you know, things were getting 
you know, to the point where actually you're like, I need, I need to do something about this because we do try to keep up. And I think that's a societal problem. It's not an us problem. Definitely. It's a societal problem. Like, especially as a younger disabled person, you just want to fit in because you're yeah. so, or like you're, you're told that you're so different and you want nothing more than to just be one of those popular kids. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so you push yourself to do these things and burn yourself out very quickly. It's really interesting that you get that kind of 30% more fatigue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or quicker fatigue, sorry. You know, I'm the same where if I concentrate too much on, on something, my eyes will get really sore. Or if I do lots in the day, like yesterday, I went into Brighton and did a few bits in Brighton for, for work and mm-hmm. came back and I was absolutely shattered like my eyes were killing me and you just gotta slow down sometimes and it's a really hard step to admit that you are slightly different and that's okay (laughs) but as you said that's not last problem that's definitely a societal problem yeah for sure and I like to ask everyone because I think at some point everybody goes through some form of hardship regardless of whether that's disability related or not right we all have our moments where we think that things are not going to get any better and and eventually you know they do Mm -hmm. But during those times, I always think if you can focus on like one positive attribute about yourself or after you've been through your difficult time, if you can reflect back and think, oh, I did this one thing really, really well, then, you know, it's it's kind of been a worthwhile lesson. And I was wondering, do you have you recognized a positive attribute within yourself? Yeah, I mean, it is really easy to just fixate on those negatives. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, like when you think things aren't or can't get better then you're always going to fixate on those negatives. I think something in myself that I'm really, really grateful for, and it's maybe not something that was learned, maybe it's something that's always there, is like I'm quite a tenacious person. Like, <laughs> even if things are really, really bad, I'll just keep going. Like, I'm not yeah. really someone to slump around and, and you know, mope about. I will sometimes, obviously, like we all do. Like, that's just part of being a human and, and having mm. hardships. But yeah, I'm, I'm quite grateful, but I'm quite tenacious and determined to fix things. I like to fix the problem as soon as possible if I like can identify that there is a problem in the first place. I think that's the difficult part is we don't know that there's a problem quite a lot of the time. You're just like in a bad place mentally. Yeah. And it's kind of identifying where you're like searching for the problem. What's making me feel like this? And sometimes it's really hard to find that. So yeah, it, it's a difficult one. But yeah, I'm quite tenacious. I'll take that one. It's really funny that you say tenacious because that's usually my answer as well. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I was like when I when I first started recording this earlier this year, I would always be like, "Oh, I think mine is tenacity because I always think I really go after what I want and I I rarely give in and if I have to pull out, it's usually for a reason that's not like my my like my doing." And it's so I love the fact that obviously like you haven't heard that. So this is completely like not scripted. This is completely like random. And that was the one that you went for. And as you were saying it, I was like smiling. And I was like, this kid knows, this kid knows. Um, (laughs) It's such a valuable thing. I think as you can't generalize across a whole like demographic, obviously. But I think a lot of disabled people are really tenacious because, you know, as we said earlier, you go through so many emotions and so many like obstacles but you have no choice but to be tenacious if you want to get past that next obstacle because you know another one's coming like I know another obstacle's coming it could be next week it could be next month could be next year but if you're not tenacious then (laughs) those obstacles come far quicker and they're they're way bigger and harder to get over that is yeah that's so accurate and I've never really had someone explain that before the way that you have is that actually as a disabled person you do find that obstacles are coming at you left right and center 
And if you don't kind of either get over them, it's kind of sink or swim, really. And like, I, I don't want to sink. I've, I've got to swim. Like, I'm, I've got goals that I well, want to achieve. So we've got to get there. <laughs> like, definitely, definitely. And so I have. So yeah, I do have these are like a set of questions that when people ask me, I'm a bit, I'm a bit annoyed. That's the best way I can describe it. Or they can be a bit intrusive. So I'll give you an example. Recently, I went away on holiday and someone asked me if they could cut up my food for my dinner. And at that point, I was like, Mm-mm, this is this is not okay. But I was wondering, do you have like a set of questions that if people ask you, you're like, oh, this is a bit too much. Like, and this is not just like people online. This is, you know, maybe like a random in the street or someone on the bus or or someone that's kind of just come up to you to ask you a question. Um, I get the funny ones that make me laugh, but also do annoy me because it's like, what what if you're asking this and like you're genuinely asking it, what do you think of me as a person? Like, <laughs> how do I know when to stop wiping my bum? That one, honestly, that gets me every oh, time. Oh my god. Honestly, I, I genuinely want to knock out every person who asks me that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I, oh, I'm not going to answer that one um, on air. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's more about like actions than questions. Like, for example, yeah. if I stood on, at a road and like waiting for my time to cross, and someone just grabs me and pulls me across, that really like can I swear on this podcast? I yeah, of course swear. you can. But, Crack off. Like, fucks me off, right? Yeah. Because I'm, I don't know, like, I've had it before where I don't even want to cross the road and someone will just drag me across. And then I'm like, cool, can you take me back though, governor? And yeah. Like, it's, it's those types of things. So actually, for me as a blind person, it's probably more about what people do rather than uh-huh. what they say or ask. Because I'm quite good with questions. Naturally, there's not anything too intrusive you mm-hmm. can ask. I get, how do you find the hole a lot intimately? Oh, that wow. One, that one gets me as well. Like, come on, turn the lights off and you'll, you'll still find it, bud. But yeah, so I, I'm fine with it. It's more more about actions for me. It's really funny because so many people who come on this podcast, like the, the weird questions they get asked generally tend to be around sex, intimacy and the toilet. And it's like people are so fascinated <laughs> by these questions. And it like it doesn't matter like what your disability is. At some point, someone has had an inappropriate question uh, surrounding those three areas. And I always find it funny because... For us, they're questions that we would never dare ask anybody else. But for whatever reason, people fi- find them fascinating. I think it's because they can be like, I don't know, socially, obviously, sex and intimacy is quite taboo unless you're with people that you're very comfortable and close with. Yeah. Obviously, going to the toilet is just something that, like, who discusses that other than, like, poo scientists? I don't know what they're <laughs> called, but those people are, like, investigate poo. <laughs> like, I don't know, they're, they're just not very heavily discussed. So I think... <laughs> naturally people are curious about them like if you could ask your best friends like oh what kind of wipe technique do you use you would but it's seen as weird so i think people see someone with a disability who obviously experiences those things differently and thinks i can get away with asking about this now yeah i think you might be right on that one actually and i was wondering like you obviously you you go to the gym you work out have you ever had any like comments in the gym about how you're working out or how do you know that you're working out? Because I, I think that would be something that would would be asked quite a lot, but obviously that's complete like assumption. Do you know, what? I think normally I get obviously I get loads of questions day to day, just naturally. Yeah. And I'm like, these are common sense, like these are a bit 
come and figure it out yourself but the workout questions are always embracing me like that is fair enough yeah um, I get a lot of like how do you know if you're doing the right form and I'm like that's a great question fair enough uh-huh. um I get that one a lot how do you know if you're doing the exercises right um what's the point in go and to be this is going to sound really harsh as a question but I, I don't mind it that much like how do you why do you go if like you can't see the improvements like how does that work um yeah like, motivation i think that's a fair enough question because a lot of people who go to the gym are in it for like aesthetic purposes solely mm-hmm. um and kind of i don't know overlook the actual physical and mental benefits of exercising yeah um, i also get uh there's one more i get really regularly that i can't can't remember i'll do it like can i go around by myself which is a no mm-hmm. um unless I was in the gym by myself and maybe, maybe that'd be a good video. Maybe I'll do that one day. <laughs> I've just given you such a great idea. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'll be off now. <laughs> <laughs> and with working out, like how did you get into that? Cause you said that younger, you were really into, was it football? So how did that transition into like the gym space? Um, I've always been really like sporty. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love my football. Um, I used to be a sprinter, so I used to run me 100 and 200 meters. Yeah. Um, I was actually hoping to go to the Paralympics um, in 2020, but I did end up breaking my hip, unfortunately. Oh wow! <laughs> I had to had to put that one to the side. I can't really do that anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but naturally, with things like sport comes additional training outside of a sport. So I was in the yeah. gym doing sport related workouts. And then after I broke my hip, I still wanted to stay as active as possible. And obviously, I like naturally, you've got physio and recovery to do for that anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I found kind of more bodybuilding type training. I never strive yeah. to be a bodybuilder, but the concept of growing your body and pushing it to the like limit size-wise really intrigued me. So I learned a lot about that. And, yeah, was was in the gym, I guess, constantly from about the age of 15. I love that. I love that, you know, unfortunately you did like you broke your hip, as you said, and that took you away from one thing, but actually it, it gave you something else. And and now that's like, yeah, a, like a yeah. big part of your life. Do you know what? It's probably the biggest event in my life because until that point I was completely fixated on sport. I wasn't putting any effort into education. I was like, yeah. I'd say to my teachers, like, no, I don't need to do this. I'm, I'm going to be paid to be an athlete. Like, it's fine. And they're like, what if you break your leg, mate? I'm like, oh, no, I won't break my leg. Um, ended up breaking my hip so they were <laughs> kind of right in that sense and do you know it was such a big life event for me because after that I did then this is, I think this is also where that plan a plan b like proverb comes from with me yeah I did then put effort into education and thankfully like I did end up getting good results because of it so it wasn't just a, a good thing in terms of finding something else that I love but also it did just change my life as a whole yeah and I think that that's a really like you know you know, not everything that happens to you at the time is seen as a blessing, but actually upon reflection, it kind of is. And that, you know, breaking your hip is like, that's a big bone to break. Like, do you mind if I ask how you did it? Did you fall off a chair? Like, like, what happens? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did not fall off a chair. No, no. Um, It was on track, actually. I, I had a competition it was the first competition of the season and I'd felt a little bit of strain in my hip like the weeks before in training yeah. I was like okay we'll just see how this goes um not thinking anything of it really um and when you're younger especially if you do a lot of sport and a lot of kind of weight related exercise your muscles can get a lot stronger than your bones 
Yeah. Um, so I had really, really strong quad muscles, apparently. And when I came out my blocks, my quad pulled off uh, part of my hip. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just absolutely crunched it from there when I put my foot down, obviously. Because you put so when you're a sprinter, you put so much power through the floor. So yeah. obviously my ball pulled off part of my bone I and mean, I stomped down on the floor to try and accelerate and it just, whoa. Oh my God. Oh my God, don't even, like I never thought pain like that existed. Oh I, yeah, I can, like, I can, like my hips now feel really funny. <laughs> I'm just, like, do you know, my hips still was like the part of the hip that got pulled off never sort of, I don't know if it was meant to refuse or like kind of generate back. I don't know, but like my hips are really uneven now. They look a bit weird apparently. <laughs> That's just what you want to hear as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, you look weird now, mate. You've got this like debilitating injury and you look weird as well. Yeah, like thank you so much for that. Yeah, I was wondering, creepy, yeah. do you have any like myths around like vision or being blind that you want to quickly dispel whilst you're here? Do you know what? I think that's the biggest problem like with disability in general in society is the stereotyping. Oh, um, yeah. Like the myths for me, they're the ones that really grind my gears. I think some like innocent myths, like our senses are super heightened. Mm. That one's not true. Like we just, you know, if me and you did a hearing test, we'd probably have the same score. Do you know what I mean? It's just I'm naturally better at using what hearing I've got. Yeah. Um, Other myths. Um, I guess the myth that we just walk around with shit in our pants all the time because we don't wipe properly. That's probably (laughs) one. Other than that, I don't know you've put me on the spot there. I've probably got loads, but I can't, I can't think on the spot. That's pressure, that is. <laughs> I only have one final question for you, on. and that is, Toby, could you say that you are disabled and proud? Of course I can. I am disabled and I'm very, very proud. Oh, thank you so much for coming on today. I really love this conversation. And I actually have, I've learned a lot because as I said, like sight loss and vision is so far removed from my disability that I love talking to people with different disabilities because I think it gives me like a completely different perspective and I've I've loved talking to you. So thanks so much for giving up some of your time to come on today. I'm really glad I've really enjoyed it as well thank you thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud if you've enjoyed the show then please give it some love by leaving us a five star review wherever you download your podcasts it really helps us to reach more and more people each week plus if you've got a particular highlight then I'd absolutely love to hear it tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast